Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's happening, everybody, here on the Triple Threat Podcast? It is your boy DJ Shockley here. We appreciate y'all joining us here. My man Scotty D will bless the mic here shortly, but we appreciate you joining us here every week on the Triple Threat Podcast. I get everybody who hit me up and say, oh, man, I like that guest. He, this dude sounded crazy. Oh, I like the way that dude was talking about this. So uh, we appreciate the love, man. We appreciate everybody who uh, actually is tuning in and uh, subscribing and then passing the word along. So the more you can pass it on, we appreciate that even more. And with further ado, I know everybody's looking forward to talking to or hear from my man, Scotty D. Scotty D, tell the people what's happening. What's happening? All kinds of stuff is happening. No, 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 not happening. You got to say happening. What's happening? What's happening? There you go. I got Ooh-hoo-hoo-hoo. you. I got you. Oh, Scotty D gave some slang with him. I'm talking about happening. <clears throat> All right, I'm, I'm there. Hey, tonight when, when, when your wife come in and be like, hey, baby, what's happening? And she going to be like, oh, <laughs> where you get know. that from? Just tell her, hey, baby, don't worry about that. You know She'll what I'm know. Saying? She'll know. She knows, <laughs> who I, she knows who I hang out once a week with. Yeah, it's what's happening, man. All right, man. But, uh, man, we got a lot to talk about, man. Obviously, a lot of big news, mm-hmm. as usual, in mm-hmm. the NFL world and NBA. We got All-Star Weekend coming up. Uh, we got a couple of people signing with a couple of different new teams. Uh, we also got some late, some later stuff happening with Tiger, and then uh, also what's going on in the world of the NBA. Uh, obviously, talking about some things happening with the Hawks this week, mm-hmm. but also a big star, big stuff happening in All Star Weekend, and how it's benefiting some of the HBCUs with All Star Weekend coming to Atlanta, Georgia this weekend. All right, let's st- let's start with the biggest news. I think the biggest news of the week, obviously, is. J.J. Watt is yep. signing with the Arizona Cardinals on a two-year. It was at first looked at it's going to be 31 mil. Now it looks like it's going to be around 28 million, <clears throat> but he has a chance to get that other three million. But he got 12 million assigned, going to base salary, base value of 14.5 here in 2021. And to get to 31 million, Scotty D, this is what he got to do. Okay. He's got to have 10 or more sacks in 21. And 22. Now, the only Each thing season? about that, yes. Now, the only okay. thing about that is he hasn't had a double-digit sack consecutive season since 2014 and 2015. So it's been a little while since old JJ had, has had double-digit sack team uh, years. But uh, the biggest news was, uh, obviously, other teams were coming in and they were in the range around by 12 mil a year. So he's going to make around 14 mil this year uh, from the Arizona Cardinals. No one offered him that 15, 16 mil, which was around what he was going to make this year in, in Houston. But I think a good deal for J.J. White and the Cardinals. They put him on the other side of Chandler Jones, who was a, yeah. a wrecking crew of his, in his own right. Um, mm-hmm. They got a young quarterback. Um, so I actually like the fact that JJ's going to that division where it's already going to be tough. Um, yep. But maybe this is even more instance why Russell Wilson may want to get out of Seattle because they ain't gonna be able to block him anyway. But uh, initial thoughts, <clears throat> man, when you when, when you saw JJ was going to Bird Game. Well, I I like I like JJ Watt added to any defensive line pretty much. But yeah. um, I 
I tell you what I found the most interesting looking at the odds in Vegas, they still have the longest odds in that division to win the Super Bowl. Mm. He, he didn't, uh, it didn't really move the meter um, from a, from a gambling standpoint. I thought I found that kind of interesting, but man, I'm happy for him. Who doesn't like him? But I think you're, you're right on when you talk about when you brought up the, the, the double digit sack totals. Yeah. The dude gets hurt a lot, man. Yeah. And, and part of it's just last few years. When, when you're, when you're that size, I think in general, and you're, and you're putting your body through what he puts his body through. Yeah. It's hard to stay healthy, especially the older you get. And he's so, not. So, so that's issues you have, huh? I can tell. I mean, you and JJ are like mm. kind of similar stature. Mm. So I'm feeling it, man. Yeah, it makes sense. Similar now, man. stature. I'm starting to understand it now. We got our own <laughs> JJ White here on the shelf, a shelf. You know what I mean? But uh, I mean, you're talking about in a division, obviously with Seattle, with the Rams. I mean, it's already tough enough uh, in that division, and I can see why it wouldn't change the meter. I mean, he's one pass rusher, but yeah. I think about it from this play. From a quarterback's perspective, from an offensive-minded guy, I would say this is huge because what if you put him and Jones on the same side? Usually as an offense, you have one dominant pass rusher. And as Mm -hmm. an offensive coordinator, you say, okay, I can slide the line one way to that pass rusher. I can bring a receiver in to chip him. I can chip him with a running back. I can cut him with a receiver. I can do all these things to kind of take him away. But now – Let's say it's third and long or it's third and seven or eight. And you got Chandler Jones and you got J.J. Watt and you put them on the same side. What you going to do then? Or you put them on opposite sides. Whose side you going to slide to? It's going to be a problem for a lot of teams. They got to figure out how to do it. So if he can stay healthy now, he is a game changer, no doubt. If you're if you're a DC, do you prefer to have them on one side or or on opposite sides? Or do you just or do you like the, the flexibility of moving them? The flexibility, because yeah. as an offensive guy, I want to know where you're going to be at. If right. I don't know where you're going to be at on second down, I don't know where you're going to be at on third down. I don't know if it's third and long and you're going to line up over the, the, the guard and sometimes you line up over the, the tackle or you mm-hmm. can be lined up in a one technique on the inside and it's a, a problem, matchup problem over the center. Like there's a lot of things they could do yeah. with these different pass rushers. So it's going to be interesting. And they also got Isaiah Simmons, man. He's a – he can be coming into his second year. Vance yeah. Joseph, the defensive coordinator, is an aggressive <laughs> play caller in his own right. So they're going to draw up some stuff now that's going to make a lot of people really, really kind of question uh, this one, see if it actually works out pretty good for him. So, hey, man, congrats to J.J. Watt. Found him a new home in Arizona. Um, I saw a tweet that said that um, – I saw a tweet that said he was talking about uh, with Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones mm-hmm. was trying to recruit him, and he was – you know, saying, hey, you come here, I'll cook you whatever you want. And uh, <laughs> when he finally came, he sent him a message and said, what you want to eat? So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> but you know what I also yeah. thought was funny? Scotty, I don't know if you heard it. Did you hear how he went about trying to hide where he was going to go? Staying quiet the whole time. And then at the very end, when, when I decided that Arizona was the place, um, it, we realized how quiet it had truly been on that front. And I said, I think I'm going to announce this one on my own. Uh, take control of, of your own narrative as a player. And um, so I had actually a few – this is kind of funny. It's kind of stupid too, but whatever. Uh, a few days earlier, uh, we had known like kind of the, the final, you know, four or five teams. We had an idea of who the final four or five teams were. So I had shirts for each team ordered just in case, you know, the situation arose. But 
we were trying to keep this so quiet that I didn't trust whoever at the packaging facility would not see my name on the package and put two and two together. And so I had my brother's high school friend order, use his credit card and his address, and he shipped the shirts to his house. Um, and then I, he brought them over to my house so that we could make this all happen. So uh, shout out to Doug and uh, Joe for making this happen. I appreciate you guys. <laughs> they're, the, they're the true brains behind the, the shirt that I wore uh, for the workout. Uh, pretty cool. He was able to break his own story and end it with the quote, hey, source me. So yeah, uh, not they, enough, they not it. enough of that nowadays, is there? Nah, man, we got we got too many people breaking stories. Everybody want to be the hero, so it's all good, man. Uh, the Russell Wilson saga still continues, man. Uh, Russell Wilson hasn't asked for a trade, but there's still a little bit of angst between him and the organization right now. And if I'm Pete Carroll, I don't know about you, Scotty. I find a way to make this work. Do you think it's it's solvable where it is now? Well, I think it is. And I think more importantly, if I'm um, Paul, who owns the Seahawks, the uh, if I'm the owner of the Seahawks, yeah, Pete Carroll better get together with, with Russell or <laughs> Pete Carroll's gone. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I mean, it's it's we, we, we see it all the time and we saw it in another sport it, locally here in Atlanta this week when yeah. a player, your, your franchise player wants something that that usually is going to you know, is going to trump what the coaches is, is dealing with. I just, I just wonder, is this really as big of a story as people are p- making it out to be? Because we really don't know what discussions have been happening. Yeah. All we know is, yeah. you know, Russell made a couple comments. I don't right. think they were, they were, I need to get out of here. They were, I want to, I, I would like to have some, some input on some things moving forward. And I think it's a fair thing to do considering what he's done for the team so far. Um, although again, I'll say the same thing I did while I was Deshaun. I don't, I don't, I'm not at the core belief that ownership dessert or ownership owes anything to, to employees to, to give them what they want all the time. But, um, you know, in See, both I'm those situations, I'm on the other end of that because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that organization expects you to play to a standard when they give sure. you the money. Yeah. That's so fair. why is it not the other way around when, Yes, I play to that standard. Mm-hmm. Why can't I have say now? Like, right. you need me just as much as I possibly need you in this situation. Like an organization needs players and players need an organization who can run it the right way. So I mm-hmm. think as much as the owners get all this power and they get all this uh, value to, to say and do what they want, mm-hmm. I believe now the players are taking it into their own rights to say, listen, if you don't have us, if you don't have me a part of this organization, we go in a totally different direction. So right. I look no. at it like at the end of the day, if you don't play well, guess what they do? They want to cut you. They want to yeah. get rid of you. <clears throat> they want to take your money. But when you do play well, they want to restructure it. They want to make it work for them. Nah, yeah. man. Dudes ain't going for that no more, man. Well, I don't have a problem with it. I just, at the core, the boss is the boss. And that's that's just that's I think in the end they don't owe it to them. Are they smarter to let to give him this? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I think and I think it's it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I just All I right, just man. wonder I just wonder if the media has blown this really out of proportion. 
Yeah, uh, I think anything that when you have a franchise quarterback like a Russell Wilson, like a Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. it's hard not to overblow the situation because these guys are a huge part of the National Football League. They're a huge part of the organization. Yeah. So it's worth talking about. So I, I think until something happens, everybody will continue to talk about it. We'll talk about it. So, hey, it is what it is, and we'll keep it rolling. Uh, we forgot to mention, man, we got a special guest Coming up here in just a little bit. We want to keep you guys kind of uh, intrigued about it a little bit. Uh, Scotty D got us a special guest today, so we'll see. Uh, hopefully, he comes through and uh, drops some gems on us. So stay tuned. Uh, in about 10 minutes or so, we'll, we'll get that special guest on the line. Uh, Vincent Jackson, we know uh, a lot of have seen, uh, passed away a few days ago. Uh, investigation still under away. We know he's living at a, a, a hotel uh, since January and uh, you just wonder uh, what his state of mind was. His family has sent his brain off uh, to be diagnosed and looked at uh, for mm-hmm. CTE and all those kind of things. So uh, we should get more information on that. Just sad news to hear of a guy that young uh, passing away and absolutely prayers go out to his family. I know he has a family and kids and all that kind of stuff. So uh, well, sad to hear that, man. I was tough. It was tough to see. I, I watched Vincent Jackson. For a long time playing, mm-hmm. man. It was just sad to hear about that news when it came about. Well, he was a great player. And what I've found interesting is reading about, you know, um, feedback from people that he was around. Um, Mike Evans mm. credits him with with every all of his success. Point blank, it said Mike Evans didn't want to work hard when he came into the league. And when right. Vincent Jackson was in Tampa, he got that turned around. And now he's an all-pro type, you know, wide receiver. Uh, and there's store, there are all kinds of stories like that. And he's great charitable stuff. He went back to college to get his degree in 2016. Mm. Um, he, he seemed to be pretty successful in business. It had some real estate, some restaurants, written a couple chip children's books. Mm. Um, and, and like I said, a lot of charitable stuff. So it, it's a, he's a loss. And um, I hope, uh, I hope something good can come to come from this um, with this, you know, looking into the CTE thing. No doubt. No doubt. Big prayers up to him and his family, man. Sad news for sure. Uh, but can't wait to hear and see what happened. Hopefully uh, it wasn't something that everybody thinks it was with CT, uh, but mostly we can learn from it. All right, moving on in the draft. Draft is steadily starting to approach. We are into the month of March. In the month of March, as we know, the draft is next month, and a lot of uh, young individuals will have their dreams come true. Uh, Mel Kuyper, obviously, they come up with all these mock drafts. There's a 4.0, 5.0. By the time we get to the draft, we're going to be on 10.0 <laughs> by then with him and Todd McShay. But yeah. uh, Mel Kuyper uh, saw this was interesting. He had the Falcons trading up to number two to get our guy Wilson. Zach Wilson from BYU, to be correct. And I also saw another instance where um, there were a couple guys talking about at four, what if the Falcons took Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida? With all the needs you have, and it comes about needs and wants and all that kind of stuff. But I still think, okay, Jags at one, you got Trevor. Number two, I think that's probably the most critical spot in the draft right now, the Jets. Mm-hmm. And I bring up the Jets because I saw uh, Joe Douglas, the GM from the, the Jets, says his stance on Darnold has not changed. He's very smart, tough no doubt will achieve his outstanding potential. And he feels no deadline about decision on the quarterback position, but it's fielding calls on trading 
Donald. So I think everybody is on pins and needles on what the Jets should do. What do you think the Jets should do with number two? Forget the Falcons at four. What about at number two? What happens there in the Scotty D mock draft? Well, first of all, that's saying absolutely nothing as the GM. Exactly. It said nothing at it's all. It's saying right? nothing. It didn't give you so, nothing at all. No, no. <laughs> I just wonder what Mel, you know, and I I take what these guys say with a grain of salt because they're like weathermen. How how often do they have to be right, right? They're so, gonna change every time anybody yeah, looks my, yeah. my draft seven point was was right. <laughs> yeah, if you take these picks from mock draft three and these right. draft, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, it's it's I, I don't think I think I hate the idea of the Falcons moving up two spots and losing losing yeah, capital. I ain't a fan of that either. I, I I I think that I think in the end it's going to come down with can this you know can the are the Jets going to throw away the keys on Sam Darnold? You know are they going are they are they ready to move on? And I don't really have an instinct on. It. I just I think they I think they might be. He's they said all those great things about him, but he also sees ghosts, right? And that's, yeah. you know, we talked about, we talked to uh, Moose last week, and he was talking about stuff like that, where if your head's not right, you know, yeah. I don't, you don't know if you can rebound from that. And I'll say this, man, when you get a new staff come in, you have to prove yourself every year. My first three years in the league, I had a new head coach my first three years. So that's a new head coach, that's new mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, that's guys that didn't know me. That was mm-hmm. the, the two after Jim Moore, they didn't draft me, so they didn't know me, but I yeah. still worked my tail off. And I obviously did something where they wanted to keep me around. Um, and I think that's what's happening now is, do they feel, do Robert Salah and that staff feel that, they can be successful with Sam Darnold. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure they are. I'm not sure they're satisfied with who he is. And I think with how talent rich the front part of this draft is with the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. they go in the direction of we're a brand new staff. We're going to start our, our identity this particular way. Mm-hmm. And if their identity is this particular way of going with somebody else, then I think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to pull the trigger on the quarterback and they're going to try to find a way to get more capital by right trading Sam Darnold as well. So mm-hmm. they're able to get something for him, which they will, because I'm sure that other teams who would love to have a Sam Darnold team, they can get more picks. They can, you know, get more capital with it or whatever it may be, and we'll see what happens. But for me, I think the Jets pulled a trigger on the quarterback. And right now, I saw where somebody had Justin Fields at number two. Zach mm-hmm. Wilson, that's going to be the, the controversy going back and forth, those two guys. Yep. Yep. And at the end of the day, I think there's going to be so much intrigue with Zach Wilson. I think people have seen enough of Justin Fields to know exactly <clears throat> who he is and what they want. If they feel comfortable mm-hmm. with him, they're going to pull the trigger. But all the noise right now is about Zach Wilson right. early. So I wouldn't be surprised if he is the second quarterback taken in this 2021 year draft. Well, I hope I hope for both of their benefits and for the Falcons' benefit in particular that both of these guys have are, turn out to be great quarterbacks because one of them is going to end up in Atlanta, I think. So, ooh, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so uh, no on that same plane that the Falcons even draft a quarterback at four. I think they wait till second, third round to probably get a to get a quarterback because obviously really? they don't need one. Ben Kurt is gone. They just released him. Shabby has uh, retired. Mm-hmm. That's really the only guy you got. But knowing what you know about 
Madden age, but also with the money that's involved, he has at least next year for sure. He has 2021 for sure. Right. 2022, <laughs> there's a chance for other things to happen. So I think you do draft a quarterback, but I'm not sure if they want to draft the guy at four. Because the guy at four says you're day one starter. Mm. That means you're starting year one. I mean, you, you draft okay. a guy at four. Now, the Packers went and got Jordan Love, and that was like 20-something. 20-something right. is still considered, hey, he can be our franchise guy, but he's not four. All right. Four is like change the organization type of player. So I don't gotcha. think they draft a quarterback at four for me. I mean, that's right. just my opinion. Uh, I could be totally wrong. I could be totally off on it. But So do you think, think Kyle Pitts is the move? No, no, no. I don't think Kyle okay. Pitts is the move okay. either. But uh, I know he's intriguing. Uh, to have him and Hayden Hurst together, and he can be another receiver for you. But this is also with the mindset of how long you got with Julio. So if Julio's not there, you need another playmaker, Mm -hmm. another guy who can stretch the field for you. And I'm not so sure that, you know, Julio's on this team in two years either. So uh, Mm. we'll see what happens here in the coming future, man. Obviously, I think this is going to be one of the more interesting drafts uh, of a long time, yeah. and we'll see uh, how it all fares out, and we'll see in five, ten years uh, who's turned out to be uh, the smarter team. Just like a few years ago, when everybody passed on Mahomes and they passed on yeah. Deshaun, and Trubisky was the one that everybody was like, "He's gonna be the guy." And hey, here we are, four or five years later, <laughs> and we're saying, "Hey, the Bears might have messed up." So yeah, I don't think anybody's saying we'll, might have. <laughs> I think it's pretty sure thing. So we'll see in four or five years if the Jets did the right thing at two because that's where it's going to start, man. That's where it's going to start. All right, man. In other news, Alvin Kamara, man, uh, when we talk about dudes living their life, dudes out there Mm. uh, having rich rich folk stuff going on, he's out there on the slopes. Scotty D, I know you're on the slopes sometimes skiing and snowboarding and all that kind of stuff. Alvin Kamara took his talents to Montana. And uh, let's check out uh, what Alvin Kamara looked like on the slopes. Dude, it's flying. All right, DJ, here's my question. How many sets of platinum teeth do you think they see on the Montana ski slopes? Zero. Zero. (laughs) And for people who who aren't able to see it, uh, you're listening. He went for about a minute straight going down his ski slope and looking good doing it. Actually, Mm -hmm. there was a couple times like he was going. I was like, bro, it's trees right there. It's trees right there. And he turned and... How about the dude on the camera though? How smooth was he? He wasn't even shaking. He was. He, he had to be a pro taking a video. Yeah, I think that's it was probably pretty cool, his man. After about, after about a minute, he finally ended up uh, biting a little snow. But uh, that's living, man. That's some kind of stuff that you know you think about doing, like a oh, a bucket list type of thing. And he crushed it though, man. But yeah. I don't know. 
I don't know how happy the the, the Saints organization right. is because you know, hey, I've I've heard of bad things happening while you're on that ski yeah. slope. But, uh, he did a good job, man. I ain't gonna lie, man. That dude is so cool, man. I I I, I, I he just says what's on his mind. Now yeah. sometimes it can be a little graphic, but he can, <laughs> he just says what's on his mind. He's an Atlanta boy. Yep. And, uh, you know, he, I think he, he just walks around town in New Orleans like he's just a regular dude. I mean, yeah. he, he's, he, he just seems he's like those, a cool dude to me. Yeah, he's just one of those dudes, man. You know, people like to be around. He's you know, like fun, happy, always mm-hmm. like he's smiling. You see, the, you see the, the, the flakes in the mouth going crazy, shining bright. <laughs> like. So, uh, man, shout out to Al Kamara, man, doing his thing, you know, living life, having a good time in the offseason. Getting outside that box, I'm sure it is, or going – uh, on the skis because that definitely would be outside my box, man. But uh, shout out to Kamara and all that, man. Uh, moving on, golf, man. Obviously, Tiger Woods had the big car crash last week. We talked about it um, kind of in depth. And now the sheriff has gotten a warrant for the black box that was in that 2021 Genesis. Um, and Scotty D, you saw a, a, a article uh, from the New York Post. Talk about what mm-hmm. you uh, saw in that article about possibly what could have happened when Tiger was dropped. Yeah, they talked to a forensic accident uh, investigator or something like that. And he said his opinion is it looks like he may have fallen asleep because mm. the, the road is curving. And right. then he he just kind of stays straight and crosses the other lanes of traffic. So um, I can actually see that because it was early in the morning. Yeah, he Tallinn. had a busy week, man. He, did, yeah. he didn't play, but he had a busy week hosting that golf tournament. So and he was shooting and, the day before. So and then um, it. it I remember the other details of there was no brakes or skid marks. Right. You know, no trying to turn or anything. So falling mm-hmm. asleep could absolutely be that's yeah. you know what they're talking about. And I know I, I saw a couple of things about what well, think Tiger was they were talking about in the midst of it and uh saying that black boss could tell him, you know, how fast he was going, mm-hmm. you know, uh was there any <clears throat> traction, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, more news starting to come out, Tiger. Uh, since then has been moved to Cedar sinai High, uh, Hospital in uh, Los Angeles um, mm-hmm. and, and is recovering. So, yeah, everything um, sure seems to be going good. Forward. Yeah, everybody's yeah. looking forward to seeing a glimpse of Tiger. How cool was it this past week? Uh, mm-hmm. Past weekend on Sunday, all the golfers, tons of golfers going ferry tour on the regular tour, wearing the patented red and black on Sunday. So mm-hmm. uh, still sending our prayers to, to Tiger, hopefully for – Speedy return. All right. Like we mentioned, got a guest coming up here in about five minutes. And before we get to that guest, Hawks fired Lord Lloyd Pierce this past week. Uh, interesting enough, they allowed him to have practice. They allowed him to do the media responsibilities. And then after that, Travis Slink uh, ends up uh, telling Lloyd Pierce, we do not need your services. And Nate McMillan takes over. Uh, mm-hmm. Your initial thoughts on First, firing Lloyd Pierce. I know the Hawks haven't looked good. Uh, you know, they've lost a bunch of games, especially in the fourth quarter. But you think it was the right decision to let Lloyd Pierce go? You know, the dynamic that the coach has on a sports team winning is really um, hard to define. And it's hard to pin down how much of the responsibility is his. Right. Now, just like we talked about earlier with Russell Wilson – when your players that are make that are going to be fran- faces of the franchise yeah. are having issues, the coach is going to go first. Right. But I'll tell you what I've seen, what I have seen this year is 
horrible performance both defensively and shooting in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I've seen just threes being launched, and um, it seems to be their coldest time of the game for almost the whole team. I saw a stat where it said where if – Trey Young scores less than 24 points, then they lose the game. If he scores more than 24 mm-hmm. points, most of the time they win the ball game. And if he has a certain amount of attempts in the fourth quarter, they win as well. So mm-hmm. I think it's on Trey Young, man. He got to find a way to get this team going. I know he's a, just a, a point guard and all that, but I think a lot falls on Trey Young, man. Well, I'll tell you what, if you wanted to see a good turnaround with immediate results, it was last night. Uh, they outscored the Heat 31-14 to 14 in the fourth mm. quarter. Nice. All starters were in double digits. Trey only had 18, so he bucked that trend you were just talking about. Nice. But, uh, you know, they had a ton of turnovers, and, and they still ended up winning by 14 points somehow. But um, Who was the lead they, scorer there? I mean, who was the guy? It was, tra- Trey, it was Trey. Had 18? Okay. No, it was Trey with 18, and then okay. Collins had 17. Herter had 16. Okay. Uh, Capella and Snell, 10 and 11. So, I mean – it was a well-rounded effort. And, and, and if you had told me, based on what I've watched this team the last couple of years, you see them lose games 130 to 120, right? Yeah. I would have to- – you told me that they only scored 94 points if there was a snowball's chance of – and you know where of, of winning. I would have hmm. said, no way this team can win with no- only 94 points. So it's yeah. interesting. Um, I'm a, I like Nate McMillan. It was interesting that he was, you know, he was at odds with taking this job because Lloyd Pierce brings him in, you know, but yeah. he, he, they all know it's, it's, it's the business. It is what it right. is. So right. Um, right. they looked Hopefully. great last night. I'm not saying yeah. it's all Nate McMillan, but, um, you know, it was balanced scoring and um, good they basketball and, and closing. They're going to need it. They're going to have like 38 games after the All-Star break to uh, turn this around. And obviously the Hawks feel like, they are playoff contenders. So I think this hey, is let, why they're making this move here. Let me also say their their schedule has been front loaded. Okay. They've played the Lakers. They've played the Jazz. They've played the Nets a couple times. They played, I think they played the Sixers a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, they've played tough teams. You know, I think I think their schedule should be easier moving forward. So it's not something okay. you can just look at the record and, and make a determination on. All right. Well, we'll see what the home team uh, can do as they get started. Obviously, everybody still believes that the Lakers are the front runners headed into uh, this offseason. I mean, going into, you know, the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. So um, we'll see what happens. Keep on the same lines of that last thing. The NBA All-Star is this weekend coming up. Uh, Obviously, it's Team LeBron versus Team KD. The starters for Team LeBron goes as is. Steph Curry, Luka, Nikola Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard. And on Team KD, you got Bradley Beal, you got Kyrie Irving, you got Giannis, and you got Joel Embiid. Team LeBron or Team KD, Scotty D, who you rocking with? I'm going to stay East Coast, man. You're going to stay on the East Coast, so you're going to stay with Team KD. They got guys like Jimmy Butler, Trey Young, Russ, Gordon Hayward, Tatum, (laughs) Julius Randle, Ben Simmons. I mean, they got a nice squad over Mm -hmm. there on the East side, so we'll see. Other guys on Team LeBron, Zion, uh, Brandon Ingram, uh, Rudy Gobert, Melo, uh, some some guys in the West. So we'll see uh, if it's the Team LeBron or Team KD comes out with it. Now, the thing I like about All-Star Weekend, they're doing some good things to help uh, HBCUs. The NBA will provide more than $3 million in support of HBCUs through the Thurgood Marshall College Fund, United Negro College Fund, and the Direct Relief Fund for Health Equity. And now the goal is 
They're going to bring spotlight to the HBUs, but they will display in every event on Sunday, whether it's a dunk contest, three-point contest, or the skills challenge, they're going to have ways that they can earn money and then go towards uh, these different uh, funds that are going to help HBCU. So I thought that was pretty cool that the All-Star yeah. and the NBA have uh, kind of combined with HBCUs to give them some support. And uh, it's going to be cool uh, to look at it. Now, some of the how the stuff, how it ranks out is doing the three-punk contest, the money balls were going a $3,500 donation. Shots from a certain area were married a $5,000 donation. And the sponsor of Mountain Dew will award $100,000 in scholarship to two students during the event. How cool is that? Now, that's, that's awesome. That's doing a lot right there for them. The three slam dunk participants were, were representing HBCU. So each guy will represent an HBCU, which is cool. And the winner earning an additional 100000 to help with the Thurgood Marshall COVID-19 <laughs> HBCU emergency fund. So shout out to NBA, man, doing some really good things there to help some HBCUs and looking forward to the – NBA All-Star game. You go on Team KD. I'm going to stay on Team LeBron. We're going to have a little East versus West and see what happens next week and see who gets the bragging rights. Let's get to our guests, man, before we uh, go any further. Coming up next, a surprise guest here on the Triple Threat Podcast. And guess who's going to run it? Scotty D going to run this interview with our next guest. We'll holler at y'all in just a little bit here on the Triple Threat Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Triple Threat Podcast. I am Scotty D. And uh, as DJ told you, we have a special guest today. Uh, I've been waiting a long time for this interview. I knew whenever we needed, uh, needed a fill-in that this guy would be the person that would be reliable and be, and be there for us if we needed him. And uh, so I'd just like to introduce to you Mr. Donald Eugene Shockley. Hello? Hello? Can't believe you went to the whole government name moment. Y'all hear that, I'm, people? He don't went to my whole government name, everybody. Don't, I'm following your lead, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need a little matrix thing and just to clear everybody's memory so they can forget about that when they move on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Scott, it is, it's, it's great to be here on the Triple Threat Podcast. I've been listening to this podcast for, you know, 30 plus episodes now. And mm-hmm. I love what you guys do on here, man. It's really yeah. cool. So I appreciate you, you having me here today, man. Well, I appreciate that, DJ. It, it's it's uh, it's been a fun it's been a fun six or seven months here. Yeah. Uh, but listen, man, I want to. Uh, a lot of people are fans of yours, and I know I know some backstories on you, and I, I just want to uh, let the people know a little bit about your career okay. and uh, why things went the way they did, and and, okay. and uh, how 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 you look back on it. Right. First of all, DJ is a local guy. He's from okay. uh, North Clayton High School. Played Outside. football. Yeah, played football for his dad, and uh, shout out to coach. And uh, (laughs) tell us a little bit about your high school career, and uh, you know what, um, how things went playing for your pops. So uh, my mom hated when uh, she knew I was gonna go play for my dad. She said, "I don't know how this gonna work because (laughs) she knew my dad was gonna be hard on me, and he was. He was way harder on me because he made sure." There was no favoritism. Uh, any of my partners who uh, played high school ball with can uh, attest to it. Uh, there were guys who, you know, thought he was way harder on me than everybody, but it's all good. He made me a, a tougher player, and uh, we had our battles, no doubt. Uh, there were times where I wanted to, you know, slam my dad a couple of times because he made me mad, and <laughs> uh, but I had to realize he was my dad, and I wasn't going to be able to do that. Uh, but it was cool, man. I, I, he taught me a lot. We went to a lot of different camps. 
and it was cool that he was the play caller. So I could come home and we would watch film and go over stuff that happened in the game or in practice. Mm -hmm. And we would watch film. And he taught me how to watch film at an early age, as opposed to a lot of guys who get to college and didn't know how to watch film. So it was cool growing up. And uh, by the time I left college, I mean, by the time I left high school, rated number two quarterback in the country. So uh, worked out pretty good. Had a lot of good dudes around me uh, who played ball with me. Uh, a lot of guys who uh, did like I did, went both ways, played a bunch of different sports. Uh, so absolutely a credit to the guys I was around that helped me. You played, uh, you ran some track where it was a good track athlete and also uh, played a, a, some baseball. And you've, you've mentioned it on the show several times, but you actually like baseball a little bit more than football back in yeah, the day, eh? Baseball was my love, man. I thought I was going to play in the MLB, not, not the NFL, because uh, I grew up as a shortstop and pitcher. And I used to pitch all the time because I was one of our better pitchers in high school. So I would pitch all the time. Mm -hmm. And my arm would hurt. When I mean yeah. hurt, I'm talking about coming to the side, coming to the dugout and flex all, just squirting it on there, just <laughs> rubbing it in like lotion every single inning. And I was like, dude, I can't do this in college. Is my arm going to feel like this? So uh, that's when baseball actually kind of went out the window. I actually got drafted in baseball and everything. But I was like, bro, my arm be aching. You know how you feel like you got a, a pulse in your head? That's mm. how my arm used to be. So uh, love baseball. I don't know how you say a good track athlete. I was a, a track guinea pig. My dad would put me in track just to make <laughs> me faster. And uh, he put me in all the fast heats. And uh, I would get blown out, but I would get faster. So that was the end goal. So there you go. That pa hey, Papa knows best, man. Hey, hey. I, at the time, I didn't think so. So, yeah, yeah. So, you, like you said, you were a uh, very highly recruited quarterback coming out of high school. And uh, tell us a little bit about your recruitment process. Who was who was in the cards? Who was who was in the you know in the possibility? What hats were sitting in front of you if you did so that? So what's crazy is I got recruited by every team in the country except for. Yeah. Your freaking Gators, oh, with yeah. Steve Spurrier. So, oh. uh, Spurrier didn't want me, man. Uh, I wasn't good enough to play for Spurrier, but years later, <laughs> uh, he became pretty cool. And we, I met him a bunch of times at a lot of different events, and he absolutely knew who I was after I got to college and you know, getting up playing against him when he went to South Carolina and Florida and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but recruited by everybody in the country, uh, but I had my eye on playing for Coach Rick at the time he was at Florida State. And um, he was there, and he was recruiting me. I thought I was going to be a Seminole. He ends mm -hmm. up taking a job at Georgia. Same day he's at Georgia, he's sitting in my living room, and he's telling me how great Georgia is. And uh, I said, Coach, uh, two weeks ago, you said the same thing about Florida State. He mm -hmm. said, well, you know exactly what I mean. Uh, I'm the best <laughs> coach for you. So uh, I said, man, this dude, Coach Winky, he coached Charlie Ward, two totally different style quarterbacks. The guy knows mm -hmm. what he's talking about. So uh, it was all – uphill from there and decided to go to the University of Georgia and be a hometown guy and, you know, put that G on my helmet. So uh, I don't regret it at all. So you, you get to, you get to, uh, you get to Georgia as a freshman and there's a red shirt freshman there by the name of David Green. For sure. Now, in terms of, in terms of notoriety or as, as far as what most people would have thought potential, this would have been, going to be DJ show soon. Yeah. But then David Green ended up having a bunch of records. How, 
How was it going up there? I, I'm, I know you well enough to know that you weren't walking in there just expecting to be the starter and, and, and be, right. things be handed to you. Yeah. But what was that, what was that like when, when, you know, uh, Mark Richt put, uh, made David Green the uh, starter? Well, see, the, the interesting thing about it was even though Greeny, you know, took off and all that, when we were competing for the starting job, it was 50-50. And mm-hmm. we were actually going back and forth in practice and games. And I ended up getting hurt. And when I got hurt mm-hmm. and I had to sit out for four or five weeks, that's when Greeny took off. And from there, okay. he became the guy. So I don't know what would happen if I would have, you know, not gotten hurt, but that's just how it worked out. And mm-hmm. the plan wasn't for me to start at that time. And uh, Greeny, really great friend of mine, uh, still a great friend of mine. Uh, the dude did everything and it's power to be the guy. And just like anybody else going to college and you want to, you want to start, you want to play, you want to, you know, make mm-hmm. your family proud. And he did that. Um, but for me, it was all about competing. It was about me uh, being the best, you know, player I can for everybody on that team. And I, you know, every day I, I came in ready to work and when my opportunity came, uh, took full advantage of it. Yeah. I have no doubt about that. Uh, what, so the question that always gets asked, and I know you've answered it a hundred times. I asked you about eight years ago when we first met, uh, we were sitting there having dinner before a high school football game. And I said, DJ, yeah. I got to ask you, why did you stay? Yeah. So don't just tell me why you stay, but tell, let people know what, 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 what was out there for you that you, that, that uh, were in the, you know, at least in discussion phase. So the crazy thing about it is it's similar how it is now. Everybody, Everybody knows when a player is thinking about transferring or a guy who everybody thinks should be playing, similar to what happened just a few years ago with Justin Fields. Like, everybody knew mm-hmm. this dude was talented and needed to be playing somewhere. Mm-hmm. So during that time, Bobby Bowden at Florida State was calling my dad, Ralph Friesian. He was at Maryland at the time. North Carolina was the school I was looking at, too. They were calling my dad. And this was stuff that I didn't know till later on. But he's like, all these coaches were calling saying, hey, look, he can come here and start for us right now. So I had my dad pulling on me saying, hey, we need to get out of here. Like, we ain't waiting three years to be the guy. And mm-hmm. that's just him talking as a dad. He wasn't a coach. He was a dad. Sure. He wanted the best for me. Yeah. And at the end of the day, <clears throat> I knew that this had to be a decision for me. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of kids these days don't look past this year. They don't look at uh, what can ultimately help them going down the road in the future. And for me, mm-hmm. I looked at it like I wanted to show people that I could actually be a player that was, for one, that was dependable, but also a guy who, when you looked at me, you knew you could count on this guy to be the dude. And obviously, as I got older, I kind of made it as I didn't sign a college contract. I signed a life contract. And what I mean by that is, one, I was going to get my degree uh, from the University of Georgia. I'm a Georgia boy. I'm a Georgia kid. Knew I would live in Georgia. So having a degree meant a lot to me. Uh, but also, I wanted people to know, hey, just because things weren't going your way don't mean you run away from it and you try something else. I wanted to prove to the Georgia fans, I wanted to prove to myself that mm-hmm. I could do it on this level at this place at the University of Georgia. And the last part of it was Coach Rick. Coach Rick was a huge part of keeping me there. I had a meeting with him. He knew I was thinking about transferring and he didn't lie to me. He told me straight up shock. I'm not going to say we're going to promise you, you can start three, four games. I'm not going to promise mm-hmm. you how much time you're going to play. But he said, I know one thing is you're going to love 
you're going to be loved on. Uh, mm-hmm. You're going to get your degree. You're going to leave here with a smile on your face. And at that point, I knew this is what it was all about. I trust this guy. Uh, I know this. I was his first recruit to Georgia. So I mm-hmm. knew at that point he <clears> cared <throat> about me as a person more than uh, as a player. And that meant more to me than anything. I can go anywhere else and I wouldn't know how that coach felt about me. But I knew this guy at this major university loved and cared for me as a person. And that mattered the most. And after that, everything else was in the rear view. I said, I wasn't going to look back on it. I wasn't going to take any regrets. And uh, ended up, you know, getting to start my last year in 05. And we mm-hmm. go win the SC Championship. And uh, it's gratifying, satisfying all in one. And we get a chance uh, to play in the Sugar Bowl versus West Virginia. Didn't end up winning the ball game, but uh, was a great game. So mm-hmm. having that opportunity to prove it to everybody <clears throat> in the Georgia nation was pretty cool for me and have an opportunity to prove it to myself. And I think that's what a lot of people uh, forget about is sometimes you forget about why you're doing certain things or what made you who you are. And for me, I had to prove it to myself that I could still do it. Even that number two rated quarterback in the country, I had to prove to myself that I was still that dude and I could do it. And ultimately getting it done uh, was the best satisfaction I could have as a uh, collegiate player. Well, I know it made you one of the most beloved Georgia uh, football players in this state. Um, I, I hear that from people all the time that it, that you're you're up there with Herschel, you know. And uh, oh, I don't know so I don't know many people up there with Herschel, man. No, you as far as <laughs> as far as where you are in Georgia fans' hearts, you are for sure. There's no doubt. Um, that's one of the reasons <laughs> I, I was I wanted to work with you. Um, but uh, sure. yeah, you touched on your Georgia on your senior season and. Um, and uh, you hit, hit a bunch of accolades then, too. You were the FCA Player of the Year. You were third team uh, – or you're, you're third in the AP Player of the Year voting. Um, let's move on to the draft real quick. Do you, what, what was your expectations heading into the draft? See, I thought I would be probably a fourth, fifth-round guy, uh, to be honest. Um, obviously, the biggest knock on me was he only played one year. This guy's got great stats, um, fundamentally, uh, can throw it, can run. Mm-hmm. But he only got one year to prove it. And that was the biggest knock. And people wasn't sure if this was a one-year wonder or if the or if the, the the teams were down, whatever it was. But that was the knock on me. And I couldn't do nothing about that. That's just, yeah. I mean, when I did the best I could. So um, going into the draft, though, uh, Greg Knapp, who was offensive coordinator at the time for the Falcons, he would come watch me all the time. He would come down to our school. I met with him a bunch of times. But I knew no way the Falcons draft me. No way. They're showing way too much attention. And fourth, fifth round goes by. I'm seeing all these quarterbacks get drafted. I'm like, I don't even know who that guy is. Where is he from? <laughs> and this guy's getting drafted. Um, uh, I didn't want to talk to anybody. Uh, I just stayed up in my room. It was just my family around. And uh, crazy thing is the Falcons call in the seventh round. And I send them the voicemail because it's an Atlanta number. I'm from Atlanta. So I'm like, here goes somebody else calling to see, hey, man, did you get drafted? Where are you going? So I sent him a voicemail. But no then way. they called right back, and I was like, oh, I might need to ask this. Let me see what it is. And it was Jim wow. Moore on the call, and he was like, yo, we want you to come. We're going to draft you here. Um, and then I talked to Arthur Blank, talked to Greg Knapp, and uh, the rest of his history got drafted in the seventh round, uh, coming to a franchise with the, the biggest player in the National Football League and Michael yeah. Vick which was pretty cool. He was the first guy I met when I walked into the Falcons facility. Uh, but to be able to watch that dude um, for a whole year and sit in the meeting rooms with him and 
I'm like, dude, I'm running the same plays as Mike. I got on uh, his cleats, you know. It, <laughs> it, it, it's pretty cool to to have that kind of relationship with him and then Matt Schaub as well, who was uh, the second yeah. string guy at the time. So let me. So let's move into. I think it was your second year uh, in '07. Mm-hmm. On March 8th, Matt Schaub gets traded to the Texans. Yeah. A month and a half later, April 25th, Michael Vick gets in trouble. Yeah. What was your thought process then? What were you thinking was on the horizon for you? Well, I got a chance. That's what I'm saying. I got a chance. In the National Football League, both the guys in front of me are gone. No matter who they bring in here, I'm the guy who's been around here. And I took that kind of mindset into it. And as the season progressed, as the season, as the preseason started, I was starting to get more of the first team reps. And at the time, we had Joey Harrington, who was a number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. We had Chris Redman, who had played a couple of years in the league. And it was me. But I was out playing both of those dudes. And I was like, man, I got a chance to be the guy. Second preseason game, killing it. We're playing at Buffalo. I'm throwing it all over the yard. I'm running, you know, making plays. And everybody's yeah. like, Shock's going to be the guy. I got defensive coaches coming up to me saying, hey, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep, I, I, we love the way you're playing. And this is defensive coach. They don't really talk to offensive guys like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was pretty cool. And second preseason game, uh, I think it might have been my last drive. We're driving. Uh, we're in inside the like, 15-yard line, about to score again. And the Red Sea freaking parts. I'm like, oh, look at that lane. I take off, and it's me and this one guy on like the three-yard line. I try to go shake. And my knee goes left, but my body's going right. And mm-hmm. boom, tear my ACL, I'm out. Uh, it was tough, obviously, thinking I could be the guy. They bring in Byron Leftwich. And that year, they had Joey Harrington, Chris Redman, and Byron Leftwich all play that year. Mm-hmm. So there was a great chance I would have had a chance <clears throat> to play in the National Football yeah. League and possibly be a chance to be a starter. Uh, just wasn't to be. And my third year, they drive my man Matty Ice. They bring Matty Ice in and give mm-hmm. him 70 meals. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be the backup now for real. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, play another couple of years, but a, a great experience, great opportunity, play with some great players. And uh, it was cool to be a part of that and say, hey, I played five years in the National Football League. Yeah, that was a disappointing time for a lot of us because we were, you know, we were okay with Shelby getting traded until, <laughs> until, then, yeah. until Michael, until <laughs> Mike Vick got in trouble. And then we put all our, we had all of our, all of our hope on you, man. We, we were pulling for you for real. Yeah, um, but uh, oh, I'm the worst interviewer ever, huh? Tell <laughs> us real quick, Terrace, tell us real quick about your, your, your broadcast, what you've been doing broadcast wise. So man, it's been cool, man. I, I got my degree in speech communications and at first it was all about just, I want to be able to speak in front of the camera. I was a mm-hmm. quarterback at a major university. Let's make sure we could speak in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And when I got to the Falcons, I was asked to host my own show off the field with a bunch of my teammates. And I had a bunch of different opportunities come from that. And then it just kind of taken off. And now it's pretty cool that I'm kind of at the pinnacle of where you want to be and still growing, you know, uh, on ESPN now, mm-hmm. uh, SEC Network, get to call games. Been doing it for the last three years. Get to work still with the Falcons mm-hmm. on AtlantaFalcons.com. Do some stuff locally here in Atlanta. Um, so uh, I'm blessed to you have, have the a, opportunity. You have a highly successful podcast. I have a highly successful podcast, <laughs> the Triple Threat Podcast, that is doing great. Um, man, so, you, I, I call you the hardest working man in show business. This guy is so busy during uh, football season. It's ridiculous. Tell, tell us about uh, how, what's, every, what's going on with your kids and, and, and Miss Shockley. 
Gotta love what you do, man. Uh, obviously, uh, my wife is the one that keeps this house going. Uh, my wife, Portia, she does everything for us. I got a daughter who's 10, does gymnastics. My little guy, Makai, who's eight, does everything under the sun, whatever season it is. But uh, love my family, man, doing great things with them um, and just living life, trying to enjoy it and be safe, man. DJ, thanks, thanks for letting me pop this on you. For, for you <laughs> listeners, I, I, I didn't um, tell them we were going to do this until we started our Zoom call today. So <laughs> I appreciate it. I know it's a well-rehearsed thing, but, you know, people like hearing your story, man. And appreciate uh, it, I appreciate, I appreciate what, we're, what we've been doing. Um, I'm, I'm having a blast uh, working with you. And uh, everybody, make sure you, you subscribe, you listen. We're on YouTube. We're on all the podcasts, uh, all the podcast platforms. Like us on social media. We need, we need to get that following going. And uh, for, uh, for DJ Shockley, this is Scotty D <laughs> signing off for the Triple Threat Podcast. Deuces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.